Oh three my god, we all sound sleep, horrible. But you can't know. make it through episode five. I don't know. I have a cold, dude. I'm sick. Might be the flu. I don't know. I was sweaty but cold all day. Dick. Welcome to this episode of the Prestige ish media podcast in this episode we will be covering true detective season two episode three maybe tomorrow please note this episode may contain spoilers of the first season of true detective and through episode five of season two i'll be your host for this episode craig lake co-hosting with me for this episode will be jessica z and dan mcnair you can find our show at prestige ish media on instagram and prestige underscore ish on X. You can find me at Real Real Batman on both. You can find Jessica Z at Jobless Dog Mom and Dan McNair at Dan McNair 1017, both on Instagram. We hope you will join us for coming episodes as we cover True Detective seasons one through three on the way to the season four premiere January 14th on HBO, which we will also be covering. Now, without further ado, Here's the episode. Welcome to the Prestige-ish media podcast. My name is Craig Lake, and I am here with Dan McNair and Jessica Z. How are you guys doing? Woo-hoo. I'm fine. Jessica, you're <laughs> un- under the weather, allegedly. Yeah, and luckily my voice doesn't do like a cold that bad it does the sexy french thing instead of sounding sick so i luck out there i guess that's open to interpretation dan are you cold free i'm the only one sounding normal in this bunch right now yeah my voice is a little rough so we apologize in advance but we are going to get through it we are covering episode three episode three is entitled maybe tomorrow is that part of this opening song Is it not maybe tomorrow? I don't think so. I think I have figured out the strategy for naming episodes in season two. What is the strategy? Okay, so season one, everything had kind of a tie to that particular episode. In season two, they let a five-year-old take refrigerator magnet poetry and just mix it around. Western Book of the Dead. Okay, that's good. Uh, I was doing the New York Times crossword. And there's a clue for something. The answer was Book of the Dead. That Mm. is something. Just I don't know if it has anything to do with this season. I think Western Book of the Dead is an omelet menu at Denny's for Halloween. So, yeah, I I do agree that I think the episode names in this season are trash. (laughs) This episode was directed by Janice Metz who is a dude. He's a Danish director. He directed Borg versus McEnroe. Is it Giannis then? Oh, it could be Giannis. I'll believe that. It was spelled Janice, but Giannis, that makes more sense. Yeah. Well, because Jan seen... is a common name there, but it's Jan. Well, like, Jan. Dan, have you seen Borg versus McEnroe? I don't think so. I don't follow deep into tennis documentaries. I think it's, I don't know if it's a doc or like a, what do they call a fit, like a docu, not a docu-series, but like a movie on a non-fictional, yeah. Documentary? No, it's not a documentary. What? (laughs) I think docudrama is probably it. 
Yes, but that that seemed to be the best thing I could find on his IMDb. So, and I was not even gonna uh, bother to ask Jessica if she's seen Borg versus McEnroe. Episode ratings. Where do you guys want to start with the episode rating for this one? Dan, do you want to go first? Sure. I had two watches. After the first watch, I put it below average at a four point nine. Second watch, I bumped it up to a five point nine. The way it started, the first. 15 minutes of it I hated and I kind of thought there's a little bit of a pattern here similar to season one where the third episode was the episode I liked the least and so far that's consistent with this season. Jessica what did you rate this one? Under your head five four. Can one of you tell me what I rated it? Um, A five. Thank you. Well did you like this any better because I know last week it's hard for me to know with how you're feeling about these episodes. Are you liking these episodes better now than how you started the season? Yeah, the first two episodes were garbage. You got it as a five? Yeah. I think that's what I said, isn't it? Yeah, I'll give it a six. I definitely like this season a little bit better as it goes on. It's not as bad as I anticipated, but I definitely don't like it as much as season one for sure. But I've learned to appreciate it. One thing I was going to say, Dan, since we're kind of on the topic of last season versus this season and this episode specifically this whole season almost reminds me if you took the i think it was episode four of last season was the shootout scene where they were trying to get out of houston or whatever it's almost like they made that episode into a season like this whole season almost it seems to have more of that feel to me than all this season matches that episode better than any of the else of last season i don't know if that makes sense to you but that's kind of where i went with it i see your point i don't know if i agree because we're not reviewing the fourth episode but i think kind of in what you're saying the fourth episode of this season had a moment that was very similar to that moment in that in season one so again with the parallels between the first two seasons how you said that that end scene that i really liked seemed almost like a different show you know, when we get to episode four, we'll talk about it more, but that was my takeaway from episode four. Yeah. So let's get into this one. So we started out with this, the song is the song is the rose. Is that the song? Yeah, The rose. Yeah. And you're saying it's a Bette Midler song that was covered by Conway Twitty or this cover is Conway Twitty. Yeah. There's a YouTube of him actually doing it out there somewhere. If you take a deep internet dive and, but it's terrible. So don't waste your time kids. Jessica, what did you think about this intro with the song? All I could think of was Napoleon Dynamite, you know, and he was in like the Happy Hands Club or whatever it was, and they performed for the class. It was to this song. Oh, was it? Yeah. Was it the Conway Twitty version or the Bette Midler version? Bette Midler. So did you like this? Thumbs up or thumbs down from you? Thumbs down. Were you disappointed? Well, then I was like, well, when I realized what it was, I was like, until I realized that it was like playing on the radio and that's why it was in his head. But, I don't know, I was just like, weird that's going on in his head. <laughs> were you let down or were you glad that Ray survived? I was glad. So Dan, you ended last episode thinking Ray was dead. So did I. So I immediately started episode three. Were you, What were your thoughts on Ray living? Were you let down by this? What were your feelings? I was pissed. I mean, I get it, Colin Farrell is a big enough actor than to kill off after 
two episodes. So I was kind of mad at myself that I bought it. But his body bounces off the floor after getting shot. And I really kind of wanted that twist. It wasn't a twist. It was all for nothing. And it just seemed like they were wasting my time. And kind of a baby about it, right? Like telling what's her face. I was shot. I was shot. No, you weren't. Okay. Well, I mean, it did crack several of his ribs and knock him out effectively. He but, pissed um, his pants. Yeah. So I thought the way that they did it was a little cheap because there were like it didn't really look like there were a lot of rooms for outs for him to live. And so I was definitely a little shocked, but I think I was ultimately just glad that the Ray character wasn't gone. But I was processing it because I was like, is that why we're getting so much of the kid where they were trying to get through this whole thing in the first few episodes? Like, I really thought he was gone, but no. Jessica, were you going to say something? Since they were rubber bullets and he's, you know, like the ones cops use. Was it a cop? Do you think it's a cop? The explanation that Ray gives is that he had a prost hip from a CI, which it was technically a prost hip, but he got it from Ray. And then I did think Frank. that was one of he the- got it, He got it from yeah, Frank. Yeah, from Frank. But that was one of the quotes that I noticed was when Bezarita said, fuck, it smells like piss. Um, <laughs> I did think that was funny. When they come back into the crime scene, the lieutenant from Vinci is already clearing. We see that the house was soundproof. There are a few various masks on the wall. Any other thoughts from this opening, Dan or Jessica? I thought the opening stylistically was just cheesy. I didn't like the bar scene much. And then the lieutenant, his ears bother me. He looks like Batboy grown up. So I'm going to call him Lieutenant Batboy. Yeah, his face does kind of bother me as well. And I do have trouble tracking the difference between the lieutenant's name and the chief's name. And so I've just got him down as lieutenant, but I did note it last week. But I, I don't like him. Don't every like time. that guy. Frank is trying to donate sperm and he's struggling here. I think we find out that his wife is actually giving him a BJ. What was your take on this opening scene, Jessica, with Frank and his wife at the sperm? Is it still a sperm bank, even if you're banking it for yourself? Or what do they uh, call I don't know. it? I'm getting like... Fertility clinic. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like Frank anymore. I'm kind of sick of like all his speeches of, you know, why everything's, you know, so hard and why he's doing so good. The best well, that he can so do, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No. And I don't know, he's definitely, I feel like, not really thinking about what's important. Because, I don't know, he, this is all his wife wants. And he promised it to her, and now he's just choosing a life of crime over that. And giving her boner problems in the meantime. Well, I think we're partially ahead a little bit, but like in this specific scene, I think what well, I'm thinking- does he give that speech of, oh, you know, I take a shit, it's gotta be a good one. Isn't that- I was going to place it as more. It seems like he's just kind of stressed out from everything to try to be focusing on this right now, but I don't think he's taking it away from her. I think he's just. He can literally just not do what he's doing and then just go raise a family with her somewhere. And that's where I said, I think that's probably like a bigger picture question to the scene, but like in this scene, I think he's just stressed out in this place to do this right now. Dan, how did you read this scene? The good old Frank Spank Bank scene. So it seems like they're trying to kind of hide what's going on. 
um, for the viewer to, oh, geez, what's Frank doing? Even though to me, it was kind of pretty obvious with the magazines in the background, where he was and what he was doing. I'm like, oh, great. Why would they try and bring a baby into this situation? And then sure enough, that's how it played out. So there were no real surprises for the character or anything, but where Jessica maybe isn't liking Frank a ton right now, through these middle episodes, I started, it, it seemed like he didn't have the difficult dialogue. And I started to appreciate Vince Vaughn as Frank a little bit more in some of the struggles and uphill battle that he had. Yeah, I think once again, to my point of whether they film this in order or not, but it almost seemed, I don't know if they rewrote any of these episodes, but it did seem like these lines were a little bit easier for him to chop up than those first couple episodes were. So part of the argument, he says that his sperm, I think, works fine. She says that his limp dick is as wishy-washy as his moods and he can suck his own dick. Any other quotes that you guys had from this scene? I didn't know he was that flexible. Wait, why? What was he doing? Ah, uh, <laughs> he wasn't. Is supposed to be on working girl duty. Bezaritas tells him that he's going to put those good looks to use. She asks about the actress and he seems to be like upset she would even ask. But she asks if it was going to inf- interfere with his, him doing field work. Do you think she was then, really going to ask that all along? Or do you think she like wanted some details and then was like, ooh, got to backtrack? I've offended him. (laughs) I took it for face value. What did you think, Dan? I think she knows he's gay. Her her gaydar's up. What did you think, Jessica? I have no gaydar. Well, this is where my quote comes from. I have a quote here, too. What's your quote here? Is that an (laughs) e-cigarette? That is not the quote. (laughs) Is that a fucking e-cigarette? Is the quote. Oh, Um, but he's... Yeah, Did he you is. Say F, the F word? Is that a fucking e-cigarette? Yeah, that was the Oops. exact quote. Misquoted. <laughs> I've got a better quote next episode. But yeah, I found that funny as well. Did I? Did you just think that was funny, or more of the e-cigarette quotes, or what? What was that notable about that for you, Jessica? Just so funny that there's so much focus on it. Why are they still talking about it, Dan? What was your take on that line? Product placement. You, you know, it wasn't as good as the sucking on a robot's dick line. Yeah. It was a fun callback. I like that there's kind of this gag going on through the season. So I don't know I, why it's I going think on. it shows that they're like building a rapport at least. Yeah. yeah. Well, what was funny is you can kind of see her in the back room with the e-cigarette there. And then you can't help but think about Rachel McAdams sucking a robot's dick. And then in comes the line. Did Do we think he wanted to smoke it or is he making fun of her for having it? Any read on what that line's supposed to mean? I don't think there's much more than face value for me. I'm going to take it as maybe he wants like a hit of the e-cigarette. No, he told people were vaping their weed, right? Yeah. I don't think it was as common I for sure. I really think it's just like advertising for freaking easy. I think it's just product placement. But if it was, they wouldn't be so down on it. And I think what we see with all the other cops is they're old school and they're still like raised like smoke and heaters left and right when he's not chomping on his imaginary gum. Maybe it's product placement for robot dicks in the episode. <laughs> so Ray and Frank meet up. Ray is asking Frank about Casper's place. He's starting to feel set up because he was shot at the scene. 
This is where we first hear information of they stole a hidden camera and a hard drive after they shot him. Bezaritas and Woodrow show up to interview Mrs. Chisani. This is where we meet Chisani's son who needs to cover himself. He has a very special black scent. Dan, what were your thoughts on the Chisani place with both the wife and then meeting Chisani's son? Yeah, there's a lot of arrows pointing at this place to me, just the whole way around. Stuff is fishy here. The daughter just shuts the door. The son's pretending to be from another country. There's condoms all over the pool. The place is a mess. What was your take on this opening scene at the, or this opening of the Chazani's home, Jessica? Oh, it's just funny. They're like, did you have a party last night? Because, you know, <laughs> all of the evidence that there was a party the night before. And they're like, no, this is just life. I, I had an offer on a house one time that I was touring and it looked like the Chazani's place. And I really wanted to buy it, but I, the guy would not like. I don't know. You know what happens like with the short sales when they have to sign paperwork to sell and the guy yeah. would just like not sign it for months, but looked very close to what was going on at the Chazani place. There was underwear everywhere and he probably had four you strippers. Just that, like the girls would stay. You uh, could just no, move it. You guys can stay. I'm moving in. <laughs> it was a good price. Um, you, on what, a good you guys price. can all take my room. It definitely would have been bleached to the ground floor. What did you guys think of the wife and the son, though, specifically? Is there any comments on them? Any, um, I guess we're, that's, those are really the thoughts. I like the wife. Uh, I was trying to decide if the wife was hot or not, and I still haven't really come to much of a conclusion. Um, I think she was just, she was pretty disheveled. Yeah, I'll give her that. Maybe she can dress up nice, but. Maybe so I need to see more. If it's all in the makeup, then is she really pretty? What? No. What was going on with, I didn't understand. Did he huck that chick off the balcony? I didn't understand did not... either because she seemed to be in a fine mood. So she didn't, wasn't acting like she was. Yeah. I couldn't tell if he threw like a statue or dumped something into the pool. Or, or was she like trying to get away from her him? into the pool? Yeah, it was kind of weird. I couldn't figure out what was going on. Well, with that, that and the balcony this didn't go over the pool. From. The balcony was like in from the pool. So to land in the pool, you need to have Wait, a tra this trajectory. This yes. Oh, I might have two quotes from episode three. Wait, we're on what episode? Three. Three. Oh, my quote might be from this. It's okay. Well, we'll get there. Um, from the son what's his name i have it somewhere but not the second but chasani's son what's the quote yo ronnie who the fuck these people <laughs> yeah i think that is i think that is this scene excellent Maybe. accent there you actually do Thanks. a very good chasani's son yeah so i thought it was interesting that bezaritas i guess confronted him on the accent and then he admits that the accent is a put-on he says he does specialty is events. And he, yeah, I think that. But I is but I think like the really dad's Italian. name's like Anthony. So oh, they're probably all Anthony's. Yeah. Well, we we're not allowed to say that. Way to uh, You have an Anthony, don't you? No, I don't. You just want to be one. You're usually our moral compass and your characterization of Italian stereotypes. Not good. You're gonna get canceled. It's a put on it's a put on. They're probably all Anthony, she said. What do you mean, those people? Hey, um, my, 
My last name. Well, I never changed it after I got married. I was supposed to because it's on my marriage certificate. But, or my marriage license or whatever it is. Jessica D'Alessandro. I don't know. So, do we need to change you to Jessica D? No. Leave the D out of it. Whoa. That's what she said. (laughs) So, he does specialty events. He's an org organizer. In the background, Frank's kind of shaking down some of the lowly criminals trying to get some of his former businesses back. Bezaritas is talking to the state. They access Casper's safe deposit box at a Bel Air security firm, and they found some blue diamonds there. Are you in, and also some like property titles and stuff. Are you allowed to just access a dead guy's safe deposit box? How does that work? Anybody know? I think if it's part of an investigation and the police. Yeah, they like is. So with a warrant, you can open a safe deposit box. The warrant, I'm pretty sure you can open anything. Damn. Uh they do ask Bezaritas a lot about Ray. He's they ask for her opinion. He says the guy's a burnout. We go back to Ray with the lieutenant in chief from Vinci and Mayor Chasani. Mayor Chasani is pissed about Bezaritas. The lieutenant in chief are questioning Ray about what they found so far. And Mayor Chazani bursts in with, what about the cunt? And uh, anytime they're like trying to talk about the actual crime and investigation, he just keeps bitching about Bezaritas. Going back to the state says, Valcaro is dirty. I want him. The gal from the state hints to Bezaritas. I'm not saying fuck him, but maybe make him think you might fuck him. And that he's worth a bonus. What did you guys think about these scenes with both Bezaritas and the state and then Jazani Ray, Lieutenant in Chief? Dan, what, what were your thoughts? So this is where the episode started to get better for me because we've got a lot of like loose threads and loose storylines and everybody's kind of got their hand in this investigation. So I don't really at this point know where the finger's pointing, but I'm really suspicious of everybody seeing how it it's almost like they each need a representative in this investigation to keep tabs on it so it seems really shady from a lot of angles Jessica what were your thoughts who is the woman what's her position she's I I don't know if she's like assistant attorney general or like prosecutor with the state but she's with the state is what I know like district attorney or whatever Uh, she's below the governor and the DA somehow and like kind of the head of the state investigation is how I take it. I don't know. Everyone seems to kind of be very loose with the rules in every department. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was in interesting that they're basically... And who um, just tells a woman, I'm not saying to bang them, but I don't think that you're gonna... I don't know. I guess, I guess a detective shit. Well, I don't... Entrapment, right? No. No. Well, they did say to her like that Bezaritas is not, I think it was like from the Ventura police office. Well, yeah, he said she's, she's not internal undercover. Affairs. She's yeah. not undercover. Um, this is like almost inappropriate. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was inappropriate for sure. And I thought the mayor just constantly asking about Bezaritas the whole time and dropping in, you know, one-liners was pretty funny. I don't, I don't love the mayor's performance, but I do think it's funny regardless of how yeah, good it is. I don't He's a little cartoony. The, I don't think either one of them has very many friends. 
any of them they're very unpopular it, what are the odds that like three three detectives working together are all just like outcasts you know well, i think what it's by design what gets inferred in the process yeah so marty um, was cool in season one so we see bezaritas goes back to her old office we find the officer that she used to sleep with is like confronting her she tells him to have some dig- dignity he says, you're real suck them and leave them type, huh? What were your guys' thoughts on her going back to her old branch and that interaction? Any thoughts there? I was kind of wondering like why we were seeing it at that point. And you do see her current partner like kind of puff his chest and get involved too, which I thought was kind of weird too at this point. But oh, I think they all just like to fight. Yeah. Well, you but mean, what do you mean by they? Are you talking about Italians again, Jessica? Italians, <laughs> Italian cops mainly. Did you have anything else, Dan? You're no. like no, in, in the close of a sentence. So Ray meets up with his dad. He asks where his badge is. It's like basically in the trash. He asks his dad about some of the old people that moved to Vinci that used to work with his dad. Either you got any opinions on seeing his dad not in the opening scene with Bette Midler? I've actually got a rabbit hole on that. Okay. Did you, me three did, minutes. You note the, did you note the TV show he was watching? Yes. Okay. Yes, go, I did. Go for the and dad I, rabbit hole, Dan. Okay. So dad is this guy, actor Fred Ward. And if you guys will remember season one, there were uh, a couple majors where I'm like, I've seen this guy in a lot of other cop shows with True Detectives so far through season two, all the major actors are not known as playing cops or detectives really at all, except for maybe Colin Farrell in one. But you never see McConaughey as a cop. He's more of a lawyer. I watched a movie this last weekend. Gary picked it out and it had the bike cop in it. And he played a guy who had fought over in Afghanistan. Oh, geez. And I was like, Huh, typecast. So I have this IMDb mind where I'll try and figure out where I've seen somebody before. And like what what is to a hypochondriac, IMDb is to me. So I wanted to look up some of these actors that they're bringing in for True Detective just to check my own stuff. So Fred Ward has been in 13 different roles as some sort of cop. That's a lot, especially considering all our main actors have not at all. So, and those are just with like lieutenant or detective or officer in the title of his character. There's plenty of roles he could have played where he was Bobby Finnegan, whose job was a cop. It just wasn't part of his thing. But most notably, he was in Remo Williams, The Adventure, Corky Romano and Tremors 1 and 2. But 13 times to be a cop is a lot. So I went back and looked at the old guys from season one. Remember Major Leroy Salter, who was in an episode. This actor is Paul Ben Victor. 13 roles as cops, including there's one really funny movie, Chain Reaction, the Keanu Reeves. He played the detective with, with this guy. They were both detectives in the same movie, Chain Reaction. And then the last one is Major Ken Quesada. 
also okay. from season one. 17 roles as policemen. He, so, he was the most recognizable to me as like a former guy. It, it seems like somewhere in the show, they're trying to say like with B-list typecast actors were the most detective-y of detective shows. And then the movie in the background as Ray's talking to his dad is detective story from like the 60s with not Martin Sheen, but Kurt Russell, Kirk Douglas. I'm getting them all confused. I'm sorry. But anyway, there's something that they're trying to sell to us with all of this casting that is just not natural. Like it seems like very forced in like the detective trope. And is so it, that's my detective work for this. It, for this is episode. it possible the casting director is just really horny for like old detectives in films? I think there's more to it. This, in these three roles, this is ridiculous. Is Fred Ward related to Burt Ward? Yes, he could be real bad, man. But that's the only word I know. You really missed it with Remo Williams. I'll tell you that. The show or? Yeah. Oh, it was going to be the biggest franchise of the 80s. The first movie was called Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. And they had a big like John Williams type score. And the books were really popular. And they were going to make 10 of these. The okay. Adventure Begins. There was never another adventure. It was a total and the spot. adventure ended. Yes. I mean, it definitely seems like they're recast people that have been known in those roles. I think that's all great research that I, I don't know, you know, that I certainly, I appreciate that you did it, but yeah, I think, I don't know much about these guys other than the one you mentioned that I mentioned. I know I've seen him before. I probably need to do some IMDB searching myself so I can look at the- One the interesting thing on being Paul attached. Ben Victor, like the other half of his roles that weren't cops were all mobsters. And he's got like one of those, sometimes cops have that tough look to them where they work both sides of the law. So having somebody that's known as much for being part of the criminal element as the cop side seems to be kind of a theme in this season where they're all towing the line and you've also got a mobster who's part of solving the crime. So I'll throw that in there. Jessica, do you remember any of these? Wait, are you calling Ray a mobster? Frank. Okay. So we'll move on to Frank talking with Osip, who's still trying to back out of that original deal they had. As you saw Osip continuing towards the end of these episodes, we get an idea of kind of where Osip's going. But as you were watching, Dan, did you have any sus suspicions about Osip at this point? Or when didn't you start to think it was weird that he keeps pausing or backing out of the deals? I felt that from the first time we saw him, when Frank was expecting him to be all on board and then he backed out. So this is more of the same behavior to me. And it, it's interesting that Frank has kind of accepted it and he's fine, sayonara. Yeah, I don't know. There's too many characters to keep it straight whenever Frank deals with anyone. I just, I don't like Frank anymore. You're, you've fallen out of love with him? He's not yeah, as freaky. I will marry Osip now. So... Then we see Woodrow talking with his old war buddy. Do we know what he was at? Like, I couldn't tell if it was like a dog race or a horse a race or a bike oh, race. I thought it was a basketball game. I thought it was a gay motocross. The tire, when they walk, like, alongside they, the pit row or whatever. That's the only reason I came back to that. When I first saw it, I thought it was a bike race. But when, they, when I watch back over it, they do leave, like, with motocross people. But I couldn't 
really tell. They don't show it. They saved that in the budget. I was so um, busy focusing on the chemistry between them. I didn't even pay attention to the surroundings. Woodrow tells him that he keeps thinking about those three days. I think about you, man. Since you were thinking about it, the chemistry, Jessica, what were your thoughts on this scene with the two of hot, them? Hot, hot. And did you think this was as hot as Jessica did? No, I didn't. And I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but when the one dude starts getting kind of like touchy-feely and Woodrow backs off, it looked like he's going to reach for his gun. He gets like his hand like on his holster. Did anybody think he was going to shoot the dude? Well, we do see them get into a little bit of a I pushing whip, I thought tussle. he was going to whip out a condom. No, I <laughs> could have picked a couple up from the pool. I was just like, oh, that poor guy. But then also, if someone's telling you not to touch them, don't touch them. But yeah, I felt bad for him because he misses his boyfriend. So when they were wrestling, you wanted them to start kissing. They weren't wrestling. Well, they got into a little physical it was a pillow they fight. Shoving. <laughs> I thought it walked the line of being an okay acted scene and maybe being cheesy. I was no right cheese. on that line. There was no cheese. I thought it walked the line. I, I thought the fight scene at the end, they were getting a little aggressive. I mean, how hard would you push a guy that was trying to kiss you? If you had already told him no seven times. I'm sorry, did you say push or pull? Depends how many drinks. On that Right, guys? No, seriously. (laughs) How hard? This scene already turned you on enough. I don't think we need to do more, you know? (laughs) No means no, Jeff. I don't know. I almost think, like, I just, I don't really envision stuff like this happening. So I guess whenever I see it acted, it's weird to me. Because I just don't feel like guys ever act like what I see on screen. What if it was a girl that, like, has had feelings for you and you just don't reciprocate i feel like if it was a guy i would probably be acting like tony chisani that is exactly (laughs) what i would be talking about like i would i would immediately go into tony chisani accent so we end up in a phone set or a film set where we find out that casper owned a car that was being used casper arranged the tax credits he got a co-producer's credit The car went missing last week. I did think it was funny. They find out like about a party with like investors and girls and Bezaritas is like, any hookers? I just feel like Bezaritas is always talking about pros or hookers or she's just always asking about it, which I thought was funny. She Um, definitely, there's something in her past. Were you waving Dan or scratching? Yeah. So this movie set is kind of ridiculous. This post-apocalyptic thing. Anybody got a title for what movie they were shooting there? No. Did you catch it? No, I just made one myself in my head. I went okay. Mad Max Beyond Thunderhose. I was going to go with Mad Max anything. <laughs> so I definitely got those vibes. I've never seen that. They run into Casper's assist again. She was supposed to pick up to- copies of the tax agreement as well. Any other wrap up on that scene? It seems mainly like a plot device to get the car in play. Yeah, it did seem weird that his assistant was there. Like she just popped back up out of the blue in a completely alien environment. I don't know that I bought that. Now she was supposed to be his assistant, but she works for the, the state oh. state or city and she's picking I think up it's the these city. tax agreements. Yeah. I don't know. A little it's, interesting. It's weird. We're back to the 
like the what is it the poker club tower that they're always in do you guys have those at your casino dan are you ever in the poker club tower well we don't have a poker room so if i want to spy on somebody i have different ways to do it so frank is talking to blake he's basically pissed because he won't answer his phone he asks if he's a teen girl because he told him that his phone was dead don't you remember (laughs) when guys used to do that no I remember, I think people still do it sometimes. I don't think that's something people don't do. No, now like people know. It does really We can see when you were last active on Instagram and Facebook. We can see when you've read our messages. We know your phone's not dead. Everyone is talking. My husband. Well, I mean, if I were going to do it. Run, Gary, (laughs) run. If I were going to do it, but. Phones do go dead, to be clear. But you just say your phone's going dead, and Not you turn your off spec. your phone, and then you turn off your phone. That's but don't what you, you do. When phones used to die, when people didn't carry phone charges with them and stuff. Dan, do you remember the day the phones used to die? Yeah, good times. So we find out Stan was dead. None of us knew who Stan was, correct? Not really. We barely know who he is now. I assume he was like his third or fourth in command. I assume it goes like. Frank, Ben, Casper, because he had all his money. Blake and Stan kind of next to mine. Yes, of his group. All that he serves is it puts Frank on tilt. Continually on tilt. Yeah, for for me, that's this character's whole purpose is to add the paranoia for Frank a little bit. I thought it was like Casper, then Stan, then Frank. Well, I... Frank is at the top. Really, I don't watch. I've never watched any like mobster movies or anything. I did sit through the Departed once with my dad. Um, part of it because I thought this will be over soon, and it wasn't. And so I've never. Even these guys seen, like, were in the Departed, just as a footnote. I've never seen like Scarface or anything. That's about that, right? Gangs and stuff. Yeah. Like I just don't. I don't know it just doesn't it's harder for me to follow because I have no experience with I don't know I don't I can't pick up on the ranks it's sad if true detective season two is your first mob movie (laughs) what a way to enter that world well part of the departed part of you just saw a part you didn't see the departed yeah (laughs) she saw a part okay so (laughs) Woodrow's working prosts and he finds a male prostitute who's seen Casper before at one of the clubs. Of course he gravitates to them. <laughs> Ray is at home with Bezaritas. Were you guys surprised to see them at his home? I mean, that's what she was instructed to do. So you think that was, oh, so you, we think this is part of her trying to get closer to him was this. Could be. I didn't put those two together, but it makes a lot more sense together. Were you surprised she was at his house, Jessica? And then, of course, his ex shows up. She mentions the state police has been, like, coming around to see him, and she offers to give him 10000 to go away. Were you guys, what were your thoughts on her trying to pay him off with less than he probably makes on one of his jobs to go I away? I don't know what the market value is for a redheaded bastard, but 10K <laughs> seems pretty good. Jessica, thoughts? No, he seems like pretty into the kid. So I don't think, and it's, I don't think there's an amount you can offer him. 
that would make him go away. It's not about money. It's about that kid is like the only thing that he really has uh, in life that's like tangible and that stands for any sort of love that he has in life, I think. I agree. And to that point, the only thing that Ray needs money for is the court case to keep the kid. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, because like he can probably go into any bar and drink with his buddies for, for you know, He's making we'll cash. We'll say if she's paying for that kid by the pound, though, she's getting a hell of a deal. <laughs> My only other comment on that would be, though, like, I feel like it was $10,000 to relocate, though. If it was just like 10 grand to leave the kid alone, that would be one thing. But I, I kind of felt he was supposed to. No, like... it's not to relocate. Well, I thought like, that's what it was because it was like, go, hey, have Mike. sneakers. I'm like, how is this guy going to go away with 10 grand? But if it's just leave him alone, I guess that that makes more sense. But it's kind of insulting too. That amount of money would really make him go away. Right? You know? How would the kid feel? Be like, you thought I was only worth ten thousand, mom? That's only two <laughs> withdrawals from Ben Casper out of his Where's ATM account, basically. <laughs> so Ray comes back in, says they have to get back to work. Frank is still trying to rally some of the lower level criminals. He's asking questions at the club again, and then the one club owner challenges him frank grabs his lips another notable quote he says all right frankie you want to squab frankly eventually knocks him down and rips out his grill that says fuck you that's what it said right fuck you the grill with pliers oh, yeah i'm pretty sure that's anything. what it said what's up i didn't know it said anything but it was Ooh. from a i think it was from a previous episode they talked about when he sat down with him, it said, fuck you. And so when he rips him out with pliers, he's what kind of way is this to greet someone? And I think he meant that because he had that on his wow. grill. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. What were you saying, Jessica? When he was talking to someone in an earlier episode and he was like, all that sugar, Frank, I'm surprised your teeth haven't fallen out or something. And he's like, I don't know. He said something about I never had a cavity or something like that. That, and I think that he alluded to taking people's teeth out and now he's back he's back doing that did this remind you of the fall did this remind you of the fall of the house of usher at all jessica how are you not thinking about the tooth pool i didn't think of that but i this is i mean it's late in the episode but the next couple scenes really saved this episode for me and to see it it seems like a long time since the episode began and we thought ray was dead but seeing Frank rough up, it was like actually kind of a cool fight scene to watch. And I started to wonder at this point, it seems to me that Frank is going to solve this more than any of the detectives. He seems more vested to me and on the inside. I well, kind of put in a note. He's like, got millions of dollars riding on it. Yeah. I mean, that that doesn't hurt either. But like he seems to be the closest to the truth to me. Did you have any additional thoughts on that scene, Jessica? I thought it was mean. This is more of your Frank hate building. Yeah, well, yeah, I just like really don't approve of his behavior. I, yeah. See, this made him more interesting to me, being sucked back into kind of the, the mobster business. I think you can see like this is obviously how he got his start and that he can still do this. And you know, in his position, he has to do this because everyone around him is being killed. He's being, you know, made to look weak. Like he pretty much has to respond when stuff like this is going on. Well, 
Yeah, because he was like pretty set financially, right? And then he lost those millions, and now he's. I gotta have some income coming in some way, so I'm back in the game, right? Yeah, he's back to square one. Well, and that's why I feel like with his snaggle-faced wife that he's it. <laughs> okay, I try to look for what you guys are talking about, and I don't see anything weird with her face. It's just like some weird, very small, subtle snaggle of her face. I don't know. But to me, it's no, more just, the way she talks and her other character that I object to. I'm not minding her as much in this role. But I think he... I don't think he doesn't care for her. He's just doing what's necessary to get to a position where they can get back to one. But you're fair to say, Jessica, and she does keep asking, like, we can just kind of leave, basically. So this, the scene or the episode kind of closes out where Bezaritas and Ray are questioning a house that potentially has the car. But as they're questioning the person, the car is set on fire they're chasing somebody down. Was that through a wash, Dan? Is that how you would describe that? I thought it was actually where like the I-5 and the Santa Monica freeway intersect. I think, I feel like I've been here. I've been on those like on-ramps and things like that. Because there's a place where you have to get off the five to get on the five. But like when they're running through, it's like a homeless encampment. I yeah. assume it's like kind of a wash under the freeway or something. Yeah, I just thought it was like an underpass where, yeah, yeah, the homeless hang out. So they're chasing through this encampment, through wherever this area is. And then when they get to the other side of the road, Bezaritas is kind of in the road and Ray saves her from getting run over. Those are kind of my notes on the end. You said that this kind of ending here saved the episode for you. I don't know if there's any other scenes I'm missing here, but what's your thoughts on this scene, Dan? I, I like the chase. I thought it was exciting and kind of fun. I knew the guy was going to get away, but I did think it was a little bit campy how Ray had to remind everybody that he had like injured ribs and like every third stride, he would kind of like wince or groan, you know, that all seemed like just a oh, little bit campy to me. I all about his injuries and I was like, oh, like I have. Why I is he like, zombie never running? Related so much to a cop chase before. <laughs> well, I don't know. Have you ever cracked a rib? It's fucking brutal. So I mean, I think they had How to sell the idea. I mean, another solution would have been he has no cracked ribs, but I guess they're trying to like pay off the stakes of that fake death scene they gave us. So well, I mean, there you... was there was that whole like he went right back to work the same day. I think. And there is the line where he goes to the doctor and the doctor asks him if he's trying to kill himself. Yeah. They go through all of his self-destructive behavior and it kind of makes you wonder, like the question goes unanswered. And there's part of Ray that you could see, yeah, it kind of doesn't give a rip. And that's where I think him not taking the money is that anchor back into reality and moving him forward. Yeah, I did seem to think that from that doctor scene on, he does, it seems like he's trying to come back to towards the center, at least. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he'll, you know, who knows if he'll ever get there, but at least it looks like he's trying to write maybe some of his behaviors. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Prestige-ish Media Podcast. In this episode, we covered True Detective Season 2, Episode 3, Maybe Tomorrow. I was your host for this episode, Craig Lake. Co-hosting with me for this episode was Jessica Z and Dan McNair. 
You can find our show at Prestige Ish Media on Instagram and Prestige underscore Ish on X. You can find me at Real Real Batman on both. You can find Jessica Z at Jobless Dog Mom and Dan McNair at Dan McNair 1017, both on Instagram. We hope you will join us for coming episodes as we cover True Detective seasons one through three on the way to the season four premiere January 14th on HBO, which we will also be covering. Thank you again for listening. If you can, please like and subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms. And we hope you will join us again for another episode soon. In the meantime, I'll sing Some Say Love or The Rose. Now, is that Bette Midler or what the fuck is Yeah. Dude, all I could think of was Napoleon Dynamite the whole time. What was that guy singing, though? So he was, it's the same song, but I guess Conway Twitty did a cover of it. Okay, so he was supposed to be Conway Twitty is what that was supposed to be. Yeah, but a lot of people in reading stuff confused him for Elvis. Yeah, I mean, the voice sounded like Elvis for sure, more Elvis. And the getup was wild, but... Some say love. My, 